0: The Math Nights podcast is dedicated to building the problem solvers of tomorrow. Math Nights are able to conquer any problem with a variety of tools, strategies, and resources. They are empowered with mathematical practices and a winning math mindset. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to subscribe to us. Also, feel free to leave us a review. we greatly appreciate it. Okay, math nights. I want to welcome you to the, today's podcast because we have a very special conversation going on. Uh, we have Barbara Besky from the Student Achievement Partners. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Ron. Thank. How are you doing today? I'm doing
1: great. Thanks for having me. This is my first podcast, so uh, super excited to join you
0: and and your team. Fantastic. Well. Barbara, we've had a lot of energy around the Achieve the Core uh, resources that we're going to be talking about. But before we start talking about those great resources, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role in education? Yeah,
1: sure. Um, Well, I've been a math educator for goodness, over about 27 years. Uh, My teaching experience was predominantly middle school, high school math, as well as uh, teaching at community college. Um, I also did plenty of tutoring K twelve, um, particularly in elementary school. Uh, I've been at Student Achievement Partners now. I just celebrated my seventh anniversary.
0: So, oh, fantastic! Congratulations! Thank you.
1: Um, i my role is as a math specialist, and um, you know, work small and mighty team. So, kind of the work I've done has kind of. Uh, run the gamut, but um, some focus areas for me have been around professional learning, um, instructional practice, um, and most recently supporting ELLs with high quality content, um, and a recent extension of the coherence map to include high school standards.
0: And we were very excited to see that here at, at our home district here in North Penn, and, uh, and a lot of other people I know, because, you know, it hit that ceiling and now we have that algebra content. So we're very happy to see it and explore it uh, in the near future. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Student Achievement Partners and you know their work with Achieve the Core?
1: Sure. Um, it's helpful to just kind of uh, think about um... The organization is called Student Achievement Partners and then our website is uh, Achieve the Core. So Student Achievement Partners is a nonprofit. Um, We were founded by three of the lead writers of the Common Core State Standards. And we believe that um, academic standards are really the promise of equity. Um, And when every student, regardless of zip code, race, um, are expected to learn, that content um, and are given the supports to do so, um, we can deliver on that promise. So um, at Student Achievement Partners, our biggest priority is to significantly impact literacy and math outcomes um, for students nationally K-12 with a particular focus uh, accelerating progress for students who face barriers of racism or poverty.
0: So and you know that is something that many districts are trying to find they're they're trying to find a way to to personalize that learning for all students and that promise of so uh with that I know that um right now there's a big t- there's there's this talk has been done throughout the a couple of years now but the shifts in the core are the way that districts are trying to push that forward. Can you tell us a little bit about the three shifts in the Common Core and why they're so important to how students learn? Yeah,
1: sure. Um, So, yeah, you know, when the standards were first released, it was really natural for folks to look at them and kind of say, all right, well, maybe this topic is gone and all right, maybe this topic was moved from third grade to sixth grade, kind of et cetera, right? Um, But that's not really what the standards were about. You know, these were research-based, Uh, decisions about what was going to support all students to be college and career ready. So the shifts were kind of the key uh, design principle of the standards. So uh, Mm -hmm. the shifts, you know, focus, uh, the standards were focused um, on the mathematics that was going to support all students to reach college and career readiness. Um, They were written in a coherent way. um, And there was this balance of conceptual understanding, procedural skill and application, which is defined in the shifts as rigor. Um, But, you know, now, as you said, like we've been talking about the shifts for a really long time um, and it's easy to think, okay, well, those were the shifts, we're over that. We've been implementing um, these standards for a long time. But I think uh, a concern for me is that we, lose that sense of what the foundation of the standards are. So I think there's still important work to do around focus, coherence, mm-hmm. and rigor so that the decisions mm-hmm. we are making um, and we're all making decisions all the time, whether yes. you're at the district level, school level, classroom level, um, we're making decisions. So keeping the idea, and we can talk more in detail about each one, but really kind of keeping the idea of these shifts um, mm-hmm. present Um,
0: Is going to be important as we continue this work forward. I, you know, and in this age, I mean, just to piggyback off of that, in this age where we're we're so test oriented and we're trying to hold on to those resources that our districts may may give us, it's so important to understand that those shifts, but also that deeper learning of those standards, so that we can make those decisions. Uh, I think teachers want those to make those decisions, but sometimes. you know, their lack of understanding all the shifts and the the deeper meaning of the standards, you know, they may be afraid to take that leap. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you have to know the expectations of the standards. And when you talk about mm-hmm. depth of standards, um, you know, in, in the olden days, uh, you know, I might read we were just given like a list of topics, um, if I recall, uh, you know, or the textbook and just saying, teach this textbook. Um, But now we really see the standards as, you know, this is what students should be able to do, whether it is procedural skill, um, which may Mm -hmm. be more comfortable, we can kind of say like, all right, by fourth grade, all students, should be able to add and subtract with the standard algorithm. But there's also Mm -hmm. conceptual understanding that uh, we're really not gonna just bypass to get to that fluency. Um, And there's an expectations for students to have certain conceptual understandings um, and then be able to apply all of those. So, but without really understanding what the expectations are, it is really easy to just say, you know what, I'm just gonna teach it the way I was taught
0: so so let 's talk a little bit about focus and focusing on those standards um, and and how can teachers approach focus and uh, and deeper learning
1: yeah so um in I think you mentioned uh, some of your listeners have seen the focus documents we have on Achieve the Core. And I just want to share um, the websites, achieve the um, and everything we have on Achieve the Core is completely free. In fact, uh, we encourage everyone just to kind of take our resources and make them your own. So I just wanted awesome. to note that. So one place where um, we found that teachers, coaches, Um, supervisors have found really helpful is achieve the core.org backslash focus. And we have these focus documents that highlight at the cluster level, uh, what is the major Mm -hmm. work of the grade, supporting work and additional work. Um, And some kind of time uh, restraints on that. So for instance, in K2, Um, about 85% of the time is spent on major work of the grade. So that is incredibly Mm -hmm. helpful for a second grade teacher when whether they have what's considered an aligned curriculum or they are looking to make decisions to supplement or, you know, we hear across the board teachers, even with the most aligned curriculum, um, they often don't have enough time, so they have to make decisions. Mm -hmm. So I think the focus documents can be really helpful in in helping teachers think about, you know, what are the most important and um, topics that they should be spending time on. Um, The focus documents also kind of give you a nice sense of, you know, uh, the highlights across grades K-8, and also will tell you your fluency requirements for that grade. So that's all Mm -hmm. super helpful as well.
0: yeah, it's like one stop shopping for your grade. <laughs> yeah,
1: and uh, you, I love the back too, where it really shows you K 8, like. Uh, a, a subset of all the major clusters um, across K eight, mm-hmm. so that can be that's super helpful. Um, I had a dream that everyone, every teacher in the country, would have a laminated copy for their grades. So, Ron, you're <laughs> helping me reach that uh, reach that goal. There you go. Um, so, you know, the supporting clusters um, and the additional clusters, these are not to be forgotten. Uh, but we do know, like, uh, teachers, let's say, a sixth grade teacher is making some decisions about. Um, supporting some unfinished learning from fourth or fifth grade Uh, teachers Mm -hmm. like to use these documents to say all right well I'm not going to go back and uh, do support on the supporting clusters or additional clusters but looking back at fourth or fifth grade uh, major clusters can be really helpful and we can talk about how the coherence map is even a better way to do that Um, but supporting yeah yeah
0: go ahead the uh, the major that's the question that I keep getting from teachers a, a lot of times it's like I'm afraid to let go because they you know we think linearly we get through our the, the resources that we have in front of us and we have to make sure that everything is covered but that's the question I get like where do the ma- the major clusters are the definites um, you just answered about the supporting clusters and the additional clusters which is what I mostly get uh, questions about because you know some of those things are on the state test so yeah yeah Sure.
1: Yeah. We're not getting rid of them, but, um, what's really interesting. We, I, I can share with you, uh, an article that talks a little bit more about, um, the focus, um, clusters and some research behind them to help answer those questions and share with your teachers. But the, um, when the coherence map came out, it was really interesting. I, I challenge, um, your listeners to, you know, uh, map a major standard, a standard that's part of a major cluster, um, and see the amount of connections they have compared to a standard that's maybe an additional cluster, where they may only have one or two uh, connections. It just shows you how the major clusters are just integral for Mm step-by-step year after year to get students ready for algebra and beyond. Um, So while we do wanna make sure um, that we are covering all of the standards, um, there are plenty of topics that didn't make the cut, right? So um, Mm -hmm. these standards, even if they're additional supporting, they made the cut, Um, but they um, just don't Um, warrant the same amount of time um, and energy that a classroom is going to uh, use as they as you would on major work of the grade
0: and this is a great segue because this is where a lot of our work in our district right now it it lays it's, it's between that major focus and the coherence map and they work so well together and you had just talked about you know getting into the how the major clusters are really related as you've taught and all those clusters are related as you go into coherence. So talk to me a little bit more about, you know, how teachers can utilize that coherence map, especially in those vertical teams.
1: Yeah. So we are, thrilled that um, people have found the coherence map so useful. Um, It's definitely uh, the plan. Um, So I mean, it starts off right now, if you pull up a standard, you're going to see whether it's major supporting or additional. So it's kind of, Mm -hmm. um, again, another like one stop shop. Um, And then on that, we call that first initial page the like the card for that standard so Mm -hmm. you know those who haven't had um, access to it yet you'll see some example tasks uh, related to that standard you will see um, some blurbs from the progression documents you might see example lessons you might see some uh, state assessment uh, release items so it's in addition to what we'll talk about in terms of like the actual coherence, it's also just a really nice place to look at one standard and kind of dive deeper into it. Um, So Mm -hmm. that's that. But then you're gonna go ahead and click map standard and you're going to see what are the standards that most uh, closely relate to that standard, both um, within the grade, uh, prior grades, as well as uh, future
0: grades. and that that piece right there has been so helpful for our teachers, not just planning for the long term, but just for the students that are sitting in front of them. Like, what is that related standard to the right that it can accelerate my students learning? Well, you know, where am I struggling uh uh, learners lie as far as like prerequisite standards. I mean, that has been the selling point of that. Coherence
1: yeah. And we had recently, I just heard from a, a core advocate. So we have a core advocate network and um,
0: also we'll share
1: the the link with you for that. Would love for your teachers to, to join us. But we had a core advocate talked about one of the things uh, he appreciates, which is also knowing where to stop. Sometimes our books Mm -hmm. continue on um, or are, you know, just the way we remembered a topic that sometimes the reason why it's hard to get through all the standards in a grade is because sometimes we take standards and take them into future grades or expectations. Um, So the, the coherence map can not only tell you, you know, about the standard, but also like Hey, this is the end of fifth grade. If you want this, the next part of that standard that you're thinking about is actually sixth grade, and they're gonna they're gonna um, teach that and spend time on it there. So I thought that was an an interesting um, a way to use the map.
0: Mm-hmm. So we've talked about coherence. We've talked about major clusters, and one of the things I noticed in the the major cluster uh, document is that even when you go into the major focus work, it talks about conceptual understanding, procedural skills, and fluency, and then also the real world problem solving. And right there is is what we're going to talk about with rigor. And how important is it for teachers to to balance their math?
1: This is it. I mean, the, the standards were built with an expectation of this balance. So sometimes uh, teachers will say to us, well, you know, how do I know when to the standards will tell you, they will, you know, if it's conceptual understanding, it might say interpret, describe, understand, so forth. Um, The procedural skill and fluency standards pretty much tell it like it is. And then obviously, like you mentioned, the real world applications, we don't want students just to have the skills and understandings. We want them to be able to use those even when not prompted not mm-hmm. to do so, to be able to solve real world problems. So um, so this balance exists in the standards. Unfortunately, this balance is not what we're seeing in classrooms um, mm-hmm. with, with the best intent. Um, teachers are often proceduralizing both the concepts and the applications. So for instance, mm-hmm. um, a textbook that might be, um, again, uh, considered a, a fantastic aligned textbook might have a wonderful application problem. And the teacher might either one say, my students, this is gonna be really tough for my students. And they may just not choose to, to give that problem. Or they may um, say, all right, well, they've never seen a problem like this before. Let me walk them through the steps and teach them how to do this type of word problem um, and then Mm -hmm. give them similar ones to do, right? So now what's happened Mm -hmm. is we've proceduralized it. We see that with uh, concepts as well. So um, students are not going to reach the expectations of standards, which is um, if we're proceduralizing everything. Um, The the balance is the key. And, um, and it's what students deserve. Um, I had a teacher recently share with me that uh, she said, every day, I feel like I teach my heart out and the next day, they just have forgotten everything. Um, And so, you know, um, that's a real red flag, right? So we we kind of, you know, did some observations and realized that this idea of proceduralizing was, was really the biggest issue where um, she was just kind of taking the control, doing the major lift of the work. She was learning a Mm -hmm. ton. She was doing a a ton of work, but um, the students were really just trying to, um, uh, Phil Darrow calls it just answer getting, you know, like, let's just do whatever steps you're telling me to do to get the answer. Um, But the learning really didn't happen.
0: And I'll tell you what, we have uh, made the biggest shift here in, in our school district here at North Penn um, with rigor. And it, we keep saying this is the quick win. If we balance our math and allow students to ha- to take their time with that conceptual knowledge, and, and maybe not every student sees that conceptual piece the same way, like let them come to it their own way. And then when the time is right, let's get into that procedural piece uh, this way students have an understanding and and we're personalizing it a little more but we are finding a lot of growth in that area we're trying to spread it a little bit more but uh, you're right on point that we do have some teachers who may want to try to, you know, because that's what they learned when they were growing up.
1: Sure. And conceptual understanding, you know, it has to be taught in a in a slightly different way. It's um, if you're used to kind of putting examples on the board and then students kind of, uh, you know, doing, you know, I'm going to do the one problem now. you're going to all do the same problem. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just not how conceptual understanding uh, typically works. So, uh in a class that's really accessing conceptual understanding, we're really seeing much more student discourse, much more opportunities for students to work with partners, um, many more opportunities for students to kind of share their work, ask questions of each other's work. Um, We have um, a coaching Uh, rubric slash reflection tool uh, called the Instructional Practice Guide. Um, And there's some really nice indicators that get to those ideas, uh, which is, you know, students really sharing their thinking, um, asking questions of each other, and the teachers being really strategic about, you know, uh, which problems they're going to share uh, of the mm-hmm. students, using student discussion as part of the summary of the lesson. Um, these are things that are instructional practices that
0: really support conceptual understanding. That That is awesome information that you just gave us. Now, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what is math fluency and what resources are available on the Achieve the Core website for teachers? So we know that the
1: standards have fluency requirements, uh, K-6. You can look on the standards, you can look on those focus documents I talked about a few moments ago, where we see that, for instance, in kindergarten, students need to be fluent in addition, subtraction within five. And then for each grade, it builds from that. Uh, Third grade, students need to be fluent um, in their multiplication packs of single digits. Um, We know that all of these fluencies are an important part of students being college and career ready. We know that students who aren't fluent um, in some of these uh, facts by middle school really struggle. So teachers do need to create time um, and space for students to work on fluency. That doesn't mean that uh, students should be facing mad minutes and uh, Mm -hmm. assessments nonstop. Um, Those mad minutes assess whether or not a student is fluent, but honestly, no one's really come to any agreement of like the exact amount of time a student should be able to uh, be able to respond or write on a piece of paper what three times four is. So uh, Mm -hmm. we recommend doing a lot of activities um, on Achieve the Core. Uh, You can go under classroom lessons, um, and you'll see a packet of fluency exercises, activities that we've kind of uh, curated from multiple sources. Um, That's a great starting point. And um, yeah, so that aspect of rigor, super important, but we know that it is not alone. We don't teach these fluencies and focus on them without at the same time, um, and usually previously to that time, working on conceptual understanding. so students understand the concepts of addition subtraction um, alongside or prior to them starting to be fluent in those facts.
0: Yeah, in one of our prior conversations prior to the podcast, you had, you had a compared uh, math fluency, to uh, the fluency of understanding a foreign language. Yeah,
1: that's right. So um, I I like to think about, if you think about the fifth and sixth grade fluency standards, um, sixth grade multiple, uh, being able to multiply multi-digit numbers, um, obviously those aren't gonna be done by uh, memorization. However, what it means to be fluent in doing that is um, that a student will see the problem, they'll know what to do, they do it and they're accurate. It's very similar to being fluent in a foreign language. You don't have to kind of think it through uh stumble a little bit, um, but you just kind of move forward. you know um, you know what's ahead of you and you know how to
0: attack it. So that kind of leads us to to the end of our conversation. I mean, do you have any final advice for teachers as they you know approach their instruction and utilize a lot of these achieve the core? resources.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, I, I would say be an expert in your craft. Um, we, you are a teacher, you um, have incredible things to teach your students. And, um, I think beware of that kind of chasing the shiny object. You know, there's a lot of things out okay. there right now, bells and whistles and teachers pay teachers and Pinterest um, that I'm sure have some high quality materials as well. But there's also just a lot of stuff. And I hear from teachers that they spend a lot of time that would be their planning time kind of searching for these activities and, and these great fun beautiful activities that they can use in their classrooms. Um, But often that can um, help, uh, that can affect um, the coherence and uh, focus of what's happening in the classroom. Um, So since we know students need this kind of coherent math experience, um, I'd say beware of that. I'd also say be confident, learn as much as you can, do math together. Uh, We find that one of the greatest professional learning experiences is not someone like me coming into your district, but instead you doing math together on a regular basis, learning from each other, thinking about different strategies students might bring, anticipating misconceptions, and then, yeah, just to kind of end with a story, um, I was supporting a third grade teacher. Um, she was using a new curriculum. She, she had been teaching for maybe 15 years, and she was so anxious. She was following this curriculum to a T. She was anxious. The students were anxious. Um, it was a very uncomfortable place to be, uh, but we talked mm-hmm. about it and we were just like, what is going on? You are an experienced teacher. You." need to learn the standards know what's most important and be able to implement that with your students and um, I saw her the following year and it felt like a completely uh, different classroom she just needed some permission to kind of go off uh, a little bit off the the script and realized as long as I am Helping my students meet these expectations, I can still have fun with the curriculum itself without um, also being rigid uh, or searching for other resources.
0: And yeah, you know, that's a great story at, uh, to to end with here because we do need some courage in doing this work and and taking those risks. And um, and you know those risks really do help us to to meet the needs of every student, which is the goal of your, of your organization. So I want to th- Barbara, I wanna thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Ron. No problem. And uh, Math Knights, if you would like to, you could follow Achieve the Core on Twitter. I know I've I found it there. And also um, all those resources, Barbara, that, that you had talked about uh, will be made available to you in our show notes. So, uh, please look down at the description for those links. All right. All right, Math Knights, that's all for now. Thank you and have a great day. That's all for now, Math Knights. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you found this podcast informative. We hope that you were able to gather information to empower your students to be better math problem solvers. Please feel free to leave us a review on our podcast or even better, subscribe to it. If you'd like to connect outside of this podcast, you could join us on Twitter at hashtag NPMathNights. You could also follow me at Ron underscore Martiello, and I would love to learn with you there. Take care, Math Nights.